Episode 81, The Rant. Kara Castronova, two-time gold glove champ, former Biggest Loser trainer, future heavyweight boxing official. Kara's father is old school, so much so she got trained in the archaic methods of boxing that you would only see in the movies. In this pod, we spar on the mic and discuss her affinity for the sport, her road to become a golden glove champion, how she helped people lose weight on her watch, and her pursuit to become a high-level official in the ring. Along with my special co-host, Cassio Machado, my conversation with Kara, now. The rant has been brought to you by Roar Organic. Everything your body needs, nothing it doesn't. There's a reason they say variety is the spice of life. And with their new organic line comes the following exciting flavors. Georgia peach, blueberry acai, cucumber watermelon, mango clementine, pineapple mint, strawberry coconut. Ah. Roar Organic uses a proprietary electrolyte blend created with organic coconut water, organic cane sugar, and sea salt. It's non-GMO, vegan-friendly, gluten-free, no artificial colors or flavors, no preservatives, and no artificial sweeteners. Just 2 grams of sugar and only 10 calories per serving. Visit Roar.land and use the code REFEREERANT, one word, in the checkout and receive 10% off your next purchase. That's Roar.land, code REFEREERANT. The Rant has been brought to you by the revolutionary product for referees and all professionals alike, Neat Tucks. What the tuck? Traditional shirt stays have been tried and true, but never accounted for those professionals that have shorts as uniforms. What do you do when you officiate soccer or lacrosse or even basketball in the summer? Don't forget about baseball umpires too. Enter Neat Tucks, which come in style and active versions. Don't get it twisted. You can even wear them at your 9 to 5 too. Listeners of The Rant can visit neattux.com and enter the coupon code REFEREERANT, one word, and receive 20% off your initial order. That's REFEREERANT, one word. Happy tucking. Welcome to another edition of The Rant. I'm your host, Ralph the Ref. I'm with a special guest. Biggest loser trainer, official certified trainer, boxing official, as well as a two-time gold glove winner, Cara Castronova. How are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Uh, just before that, I wanted to mention that I'm also here, uh, joined and accompanied by uh, Kara's roommate, Cassio Machado, who was also on episode 21, uh, heard the rant, decided to move to New York and see what this ref life is all about. So he's going to be my co-host for the show. So welcome to the show, both of y'all. What's up, Ralph? You happy to be here? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for the opportunity. <laughs> so I was uh, mentioning off air to Kara, I have been looking for a boxing official, haven't found one. So I'm very appreciative of her time that she uh, is going to speak on boxing because it's like a like a hidden thing. It's not like in basketball where you can load up with four games. You know, I know that uh, certain things that you watch on TV, there's an undercard and then the main card. But there's always different officials on those. Right. There's always separate officials. So you can't really do the same thing that you do with with us where you can have like five games in a row. But we're going to get into all that. So let's go all the way back. Um, What sports did you play growing up? Um, what did you play in middle school and high school and, and also in college? In middle school, I didn't play any sports. I got into sports in high school. I, I was a wrestler. That was my main thing. And I also did, I was a softball player. I played basketball, but those were more, I wasn't as good as I was as at wrestling and mm. wrestling was so much fun for me because it was an individual sport, which I liked a lot. The fact that it was just me mm. and no team. I know most people prefer a team, but I don't. And, um, that's kind of what led me into boxing after high school. So I started boxing after high school. Cool. Um, where did you go? Where did you grow up? I grew up in Elmont in this area and th- that we're actually doing this podcast from now. 
And then I moved uh, upstate in high school. So I was upstate in high school. Mm. So, yes. So what influenced you to gravitate towards boxing at an early age? I, I would definitely say that when my dad was around, my dad passed away when I was 14. He uh, was a, a boxing trainer and he would train me when I was young. Mm. In the garage, we had all the bags set up. We would run around the neighborhood, like, you know, just do really old school boxing training. And he would do it just to toughen me up, I think, because I was the only girl. Mm. And it, it left an impression on me, I guess. I didn't realize until I was 20 and I was led into a boxing gym. But I never thought probably before that that I would ever fight actually right. and compete mm. you know but I think that it was it was just that influence of my dad yeah I um I also have a a, a deep affinity for boxing for one um my favorite boxer growing up was Mike Tyson he was just was always so menacing especially like in the early 80s and uh, late 80s and early 90s he would have these black trunks. He had no no entrance music. He would just come right. in and handle business. Right. Um, it's funny I, that you mentioned Mike Tyson because I was always so afraid of him. I love oh, him yeah. now. But as a kid watching him, I was petrified. Because he would never say anything, right. especially when, when uh, Custom Model was alive. Um, he just had a, a very, just an ominous presence. Right. He would just come in and just beat somebody by like 17 right. seconds. Ironically enough, um, it was... I think it was my ninth birthday. I'll never forget this day. I went to RKO. I got a free rental and I rented kickboxing. But there was a special pay-per-view that was on and it was Mike Tyson versus Buster Douglas. Uh, My birthday's February 10th. And I remember it was in Japan. It was 12 12, uh, hours later, February 11th. And he ended up losing to Buster Douglas. And that was always my ninth birthday. I can always remember that. and it kind of crushed me because I never thought that Mike Tyson would ever lose. Right. Um, and I always found that Mike Tyson was always special, somebody that was, you know, being being the hunter as opposed to being the hunted because he was kind of always lazy. And I always found that uh, very interesting with boxers there. Um, I guess it, it's, it's so much more of an individualized sport. As much as you want to, you know, really beat somebody up, do you feel like you've had that same type of discipline, you know, early on just watching you know, your father teach you all these old school methods of boxing and just how, how much it's kind of informed the way you are disciplined and regimented as a trainer as well? I think so. I, I like the, like I said, I like the individualized aspect of it because, you, you know, it's like you can't blame anyone if you lose and if you win, you really can thank yourself, you know. Of course, you have your trainer and that's always a part of your team, but it's not like a softball team where it's like a coordinated mm. effort or right. a basketball team where you have to have all these plays, you know, mm. it's just so different. Everything is just in your mind. It exists in your mind. I think it's better mm. for me. It was. Talk about your journey into uh, becoming a gold glove uh, boxer. Well, I started boxing, like I mentioned earlier, when I was about 20. And the first fight I had, I lost. And it was horrible because I fought a girl who had 40 fights. And it was really scary for me. Mm. I drew, it was a draw. Like, we had to draw out of a hat back in the day. And I pulled the name of the number one in the nation. And I lost, and it was so horrible that I was like, I, I couldn't, I didn't think I was in a box again, but I did, and I wound up winning my second fight after that, but I just didn't, um, I, I just, I just always said, oh, I just want to have one fight, oh, mm. I just want one more, all right, I'm just going to do one more, and I kept saying that and saying that until I eventually, you know, all right, I just want to win the Golden Gloves, I just want to, and I lost the first year, and then I just want to win one, once, and I'm like, all right, let me just win one more time, so it was always like that, it was never, um. It was always just one more fight, just one more fight. Mm. It's kind of an addiction. Sounds like it's an addiction. Yeah, it is. For sure. Are, are you currently active with boxing I'm, right now? I'm not boxing right now. Right now I'm roughing. Would you ever... Uh, I was thinking of it. I feel like, you know, I know this is success. Like every older... I'm not old, 
But people will like, you know, their boxers when they stop, they're like, I, I want to fight again. Mm. And I don't want to be that person that like always thinks they're going to fight again. Like they live in this mindset. But I do think I'm going to fight again. And I, I was considering calling a promoter today, actually, and being like, I went jogging. I feel good. Uh. I, you know, I'm ready to get back in there. I want another fight. And if I wanted to, I could. I know I could do well. It's just a matter of like having that drive again that you have when you're younger, you know, when you're fearless. When you yeah. get older, you start to realize, like, oh, my God, I could actually get injured. Right. But when you're younger, you're like, I was fearless. I didn't think I was going to get hurt. Mm. Now, as I'm older, I'm like, wait a second, what if I get hurt, you know? So, one thing that I wanted to ask you before I take it away to, to Casio, um, what was your perception of officials as you went through your journey being a gold glove uh, It's funny boxer. that you ask that because I always didn't like them. I mm. always had, it's, it's weird. It's like you always feel, I don't know if this is the truth with all sports, but you always feel like the officials are out to get you. Mm. They're fixed. Like they, there's some overhead organization and they're all like part of it. And, uh, you know, the boxing referees are paid off. That's how you feel. I realize now that's not the truth, or at least it isn't now. Mm. But when I was boxing, it was always like, I was always kind of wary of the judges and especially the judges. You know, you always think that they, someone's paying off the judges. You have these ideas in your head as, like, a boxer. You become very paranoid. Mm. So I always, like, hated USA Boxing. But now I'm a part of USA Boxing. And um, so now I realize I was being a ridiculous person. But. Well, I, I think that that always becomes when you feel like you're uh, emotionally involved with a win or a loss. Right. That That's right. how you're going to feel right. everyone's against you, yeah. aside from yourself. Now. You mentioned the judges. Are the judges also considered officials they are. as well? I'm also a judge. Oh. So it's interesting being a judge, too, now viewing fights from a different viewpoint. And it's just interesting being a ref. It's just so different seeing things from the other side, really. Like, you know, when you're a boxer, um, your, your biggest fear, I think, is the referee when they stop the contest. It's called the referee stops contest. And it's, it's basically the equivalent of a knockout because the referee will stop before you get knocked out at, to, uh, to save you from... Just for safety. Right, for safety. And that's like every boxer's biggest fear. She got stopped. You know, you don't want to get stopped. And you're always, um, it's just a big fear. And now as the referee, it's just, it's it's hard. There's a thing called a standing eight count. I don't know if you know what that is. I do. Yeah, so it's like you you have the the boxer put up their hands and for eight counts and say they're okay. Mm. And every trainer tells the boxer, put them up right away, whether you're okay or not. You know what I mean? And I know that. I know that the trainers tell them, put them up. So even if they're not okay, they're like, I'm okay, I'm okay. Mm. So I'm like, you have to really, you know, look at the boxer's face and see if they are okay. But you understand as the boxer, you feel so bad, you know they want to continue fighting. Mm. So you're like, oh, but you have no choice but to stop it sometimes. You have to stop the fight and you feel, because I was a boxer, how you feel so bad. You want to give them another chance, but... You don't want them to get brain damage. Mm. It's different roughing. Um, the, the number one thing they say that our number one job is, which I think is probably unique to all the different other refs out there, is the, the safety of the boxer, like keeping the boxer alive. That's the number one job of the ref. Like everything else is secondary. It doesn't matter. Points don't matter. Time doesn't matter. None of that stuff. Like fouls, that doesn't matter. The number one thing is keeping the boxer safe. So your eyes have to be so open to watching the boxers and seeing if they look like they they got stunned or or they look like they're going to get knocked out and mm-hmm. you know, that's the most the thing you have to pay attention to the most and that when you pay I know that when I watch for that it, it makes time kind of stop at first I was so self-conscious am I doing it right am I calling things right but once I started really paying attention to the boxer's safety and uh becoming concerned like if I see a boxer's hurt then all of a sudden like I'm not worrying about anything and it's almost the same feeling um I would say is boxing because when you're boxing, you're in the zone. It's like every time disappears. You know, when I'm roughing sometimes, 
I'm so concerned for the safety of the boxer that I'm staring at the boxer like and watching and watching, you know, looking back and forth. And um, for me, time will just disappear because I'm so in the moment, mm-hmm. which is a pretty. I didn't expect that. That yeah, roughing. I didn't so, think that would be that it would, would be that way. I wanted to get into how you even thought of it as becoming, I guess, transferring from boxing to now officiating what what got you the bug into doing that did somebody speak to you about it they did and i always i just like wanted to be around the games till i missed it you know i love being around boxing and, and boxers and i always kind of wanted to i'm a huge boxing fan and a lot of the kids that i officiate now or when i say kids i mean they're in their 20s they're going to go on to probably be world champions and i know that i've seen some of the best boxers come through the ranks and then go up to the to like you know the win world titles so as a boxing fan, I, I always said to myself, oh, the referee has the best seat in the house. I don't think that anymore because mm-hmm. you, you're, not, you're not watching the fight the same way I thought right. I'd be. Like, I thought I could be like, if I ever, oh, my God, imagine I got to ref a Mayweather-Pacquiao fight. It'd be like I'd have better than front row seats. But it's not like that. When you're the ref, you're so concerned about safety and everything else, you can't even appreciate the yeah. fight. So, But that's what got me into it, thinking, wow, I could be in, like, in the best seat of the house. I could be refereeing. So talk about the process of how do you go about being certified to officiate a boxing match, as well as what was your first experience in the ring being official and not being a boxer? Well, to go through it, you have to go through USA Boxing, which is sanctioned by Colorado, where's the through the Olympic Center, and I think is above them. Um, but you have to go through, the, it's the only boxing sanctioning body for amateur boxing. So you have to go through this, to before, before becoming a professional, you have to kind of go through an apprenticeship with USA Boxing um, for a couple years, basically. So um, you have to start off, like, shadowing for a while, you know, um, just doing, like, things that nobody wants to do, like sit at the glove table and change the boxer's gloves that are, like, full of sweat and, like, blood. Like, you know, it's a lot of, like, little things you have to do before they even let you officiate. Mm. And um, and then eventually you, you start judging and then you start refing when they find that you're ready. You start off with the kids. They have you refing the kids at first. The little junior kids and then and you know it's silly they have you start I don't know why like that will have you start wrecking girls before guys I don't think that that makes sense like to be honest but um then eventually you you'll start regularly wrecking you know heavyweight guys like it doesn't matter you know it, you just have to kind of come up through like the levels like they'll, they'll put when you're new they'll put you in with newer fighters that they don't think are going to hurt each other so much and they'll put the more experienced refs with the refer with the fighters that are really high level like potentially knock each other out, you know. And, um, yeah, so that's the that's where I am right now. I'm, like, sort of, like, like a year or two in. Um, and just, you know, I've been refing more and more. At the beginning, they had me judging more because they want you to judge and really understand and watch mm-hmm. before you're, you're refing. And, you know, the refs, they want to make sure that they're physically able to, like, move around as fast as the boxers. You have to kind of form a triangle formation, like the boxers are here, and you have to kind of be viewing like at a triangle point. So if they're moving fast, you have to move fast with them. And that actually, going back to that, my first experience refing, I feel like I was moving too much, you know, because I'm was so i so used to moving as a boxer right. in the ring. Mm-hmm. I felt like, and everyone's like, all right, you have to settle down. You have to like, you know, you don't have to move that much. You have to move, but you know, I was really jittery. Yeah, I'm sure you were looking yeah. crazy. You have it on video or no? I, I think I do, and I did look a little crazy. I mean, it's like, you know, someone taped it with their cell phone, but it was a little, yeah, I was very jittery. And I was nervous. You know, now I'm not nervous anymore. Hmm. I, I do get, I, I think I'd be nervous if I, like, if it was a really, um, like, 
two guys that were really well known, maybe. Because then they're really nailing. What if it was the Klitschko brothers and they were fighting? Yeah, each I other. think I'd be so excited. <laughs> I, that's my goal. My goal is to eventually professionally ref a heavyweight championship fight awesome. on pay per view, a male fight. Because everybody is every time I, I've said that to anyone, they're like, "No, no way, that'll never happen." So I'm like, "Okay, now I'm gonna now I have to make it mm. happen." You know, because everyone that says, "Oh no, you can't. You're too small." Well, you know, you know, you know the people that um, say that. It's probably the limits that they have for themselves. Yes, I agree. And people so. say that, like, you know, it's, it's I, oh, it drives me insane when people say that. It makes no sense, really, how they can say, oh, because I'm a girl, I can't ref a guy fight, a big guy fight, yet half of the refs out there are these old men mm. that can barely move. I think the dog really is know. saying right now that you can't uh, right. do the, the world my heavyweight dog, chain. That's my dog in the background. <laughs> so Cassio has so, a couple of questions that he wants to ask you. And as you mentioned that, and this is my question, is how does it feel for you being a female official in a male-dominant world, how do you feel when you're there? Um, I always, since boxing is a male-dominated world, I always felt, you know, it's something I got used to through the years. At first, it was really weird because I was one of the only females around in the gym anywhere, you know. And um, But through the years, you just get used to it. You know, now as an official, like, I mean, I guess, like, when the, the guys weigh in, I have to leave the room. But the same thing with, the, you know, I weigh in the girls. Like, I'm the, I'm, I also weigh people in. Like, we do everything. You know, so it's like when the guys are, because the guys weigh in usually. They got to get butt naked, right? Yeah, because every little ounce, they, you know, they're trying to make weight. Right. So it's like they're literally starving and they weigh in on the scale butt naked. So they're like, oh, females leave the room, <laughs> you know? So yeah, it's yeah. interesting. And I mean, I, I, I really like to watch women refereeing. I just think it's a different feel to the game. And I think it's something that we need at some point. Um,. And what are the steps for you that you think they have to take uh, to become a pro boxing official? Um, a professional boxing Hold on. Can we, we yeah, like pause? Yeah. I'm just like streaming my dog right now. I don't know why no one's... What's going on? So what are the steps in boxing to become a pro boxing official? So basically um, you have to go through the amateur boxing just to get the experience. So you can, Then you go to the New York Commission... Uh, they're in the city, I think, on John Street, and you apply. You apply, and um, in order to get jobs and work, you have to generally be hired by the promoter. The promoters, actually, it's not the um, TV networks or anything like that. Like, the promoters pick the judges. I know that sounds weird. That's why there's all this controversy in boxing. Like, like promoters that have a fighter from Texas is going to want a judge from Texas. Like, stuff like that. It's, like, it's own, all its own politics. But, like, to be a professional judge is a dreamy job for me because you get to travel around the world. You get to be at some of the coolest fights. I think it would be really cool to do if I was when I'm like, you know, from, from when I'm older and I'd be like, oh, I'm getting mm. to go on this like amazing trip to wherever, you know, the Philippines, wherever. And getting paid to do that. Right. And, and get to referee and be part of the whole promotion. I think that that sounded to me, that sounded like a cool plan, you know, so something to do, like have to, to look forward to on weekends and stuff because it's like a weekend thing. You're going to give me all this information off air, too. Yeah, I will. Because I'm, I'm yeah. interested in If you're interested this. in roughing, I could totally, uh, hook, uh, you could just come to you through USA Boxing. Super down. And so they're always looking for people. You would be perfect. Like, they Listen, would love you. I do 10 sports. What's 11? Yeah. No, and it's <laughs> different. You're going to say you'll learn a lot. You know, they, they're always looking for people. Cool. Yeah. Casio, down? You could both try. Maybe. <laughs> Seriously, they'd be so excited. Cool. I'm, I'm yeah. down. Yeah. All right. What else you had to ask? Um, now let's change from officiating to other things that you did. I know you're a fitness trainer, and I just heard you were part of The Biggest Loser. Yeah, The Biggest Loser is a show on NBC that uh, trains overweight people to lose weight. So I did that show. 
um, some years ago, and it was a very good experience. Yeah, it was. And how was the journey? I mean, how did you become a trainer for that? Um, well, it's believe it or not, they were actually looking for someone who had like a fighting background. So that was what kind of what qualified me was my fighting background. I was a train, uh, a boxing trainer. I was also a certified trainer, but they wanted the theme that they needed was fighting trainer. So you did know? you have to be on camera like, come on, come yeah, on, you can do it? And they told yeah, you, yeah, kind yeah. of. Yeah. It's basically that, like everything you can imagine. And when, 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 when was that? It was, uh, was that? it was a while ago. It was 2012. Ah, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. And what about, which was your biggest success story as a trainer? Like, how did you guide someone to change their lifestyle? And I know how fulfilling that can feel when you, when you get someone to a better yeah, quality of life. Yeah, it's, um... I, I mean, I had a lot of success stories on The Biggest Loser when it comes to weight alone because these guys were like 500 pounds and they were losing 200 pounds, 300 pounds. So if you're talking about weight alone, I would say that on that show. But training boxes is also very... Um, I train a lot of kids. I worked for years for a, a charity, training kids to lose weight, like usually overweight kids through boxing and just watching them grow and become stronger and fall in love with boxing is really rewarding. I still train some kids. Mm. I actually train the next door neighbor you haven't met her yet because she's away for the summer. But, like, I love training kids because someone get like, when I started training, um, the way the boxing world is, like, of course I train people and I get paid when I go to the city and you train the white-collar people and uh, people that are, like, housewives. But when it comes to, like, kids in the neighborhood, um, all the boxing gyms are usually, they'll train the kids and they won't charge them. It's kind of like a, an old tradition oh, in so boxing. Cool. Hmm. And somebody did that for me too. So it's like when I went to the gym the first time I had a, one of the best trainers. I mean, this guy was like Lennox Lewis's cut man. And he was Lennox training Lewis. me. For no, like Just because it's like a give back sport. And they're always keeping an eye out for the kid in the community that's going to be the next world champion. But at the same time, it's like they'll help keep the kids off the street and stuff. So all the boxing gyms in this area are sort of like that. It's all these older guys, mentors, like firefighters, maybe ex-cops or just ex-boxers or just old mom, old pops guys kind of just hanging out at the boxing gym and, and mentoring and training these kids. Hmm. And like guys like that trained me. So now if a kid comes my way that really wants to learn how to box and doesn't have money, I'm not going to say no. I'll like find the time if they really want to. Like right now I don't have the time to train every kid, but if the kid harasses and bothers me, and was like, I really want to learn. I really want to learn. And I'm like, fine. And I'll, I'll take the time out and I'll, I'll, I'll train the kid. You know, and, and that's the way I like, think a lot of boxing trainers are because everybody learned from somewhere mm. when they were younger, you know. Do you have any more questions or are you good? No, I'm good for now. All right, cool. Um, would you ever consider officiating any other sport? And if so, what would it be? Yes, I always, I wanted to try to get into fishing MMA, but it's still, it's different. I think I would, I think I would be able to do it. I just think I would have to um, probably stay as an apprentice for a little bit longer. Mm. But it's it's similar, and I know enough about it. I don't think any other sport besides that I would be any good at. Would I you think. ever consider doing basketball? Um, well, I think you'd be really good. I would consider it, but I don't. I don't really know much about the sport. I mean, I watch it, but I've never played it at a, like a mm. level. I don't. I don't. I do lacrosse. I have no idea what it's about. Right. So. <laughs> I mean, I would consider it. Yeah, sure. But I don't know if I'd be good at it. We got a lot to talk about yeah. off here. Um, so I just want you to take your time. I know you mentioned your father. Um, who are your mentors? Um, if you have any, you want to list them, go, go for it. Um, what do you think they meant to you and what do you, how do you think it's uh, shaped the way you've helped people after, after you? Oh God, that's a good question. Like my, I mean, my first mentor was definitely my dad. He taught me a lot about boxing. I think he had left a very big impression on my personality and the way I am. 
um, and boxing trainers I've had in the past. Like, it's a special relationship. I don't know how it works with other sports. Like I said, I know that in sports, everybody becomes close to their coach. Mm -hmm. And it's like a special relationship. Um, but when it comes to boxing, it's a really special relationship because it's one-on-one -on -one because it's such a, a high-stakes situation. As a trainer, I know how I feel if I watch someone I'm training fight now. now yeah, it, that's like an interest. It's, you, you really have to not be, like, you know, you're afraid, actually, for the person. You get nervous. Yeah. But you can't show that to the person you're training. You can't show that you're nervous because you're afraid they could get hurt. You know, so it's like the, the bond is so much stronger, I think, uh, when, when you have a boxing it's it's very similar. The, the the Rocky movie wasn't an exaggeration. I've seen relationships like that, like the Mickey and Rocky. Mm. I've seen guys in the gym that close to the trainer where it's literally like their father. You know what I mean? And I've been that close to trainers myself. And if I look back on my life, like, you know, I look to uh, all the train boxing trainers I've had, particularly one or two of them have been really good mentors. You take what they say seriously when it comes to not just boxing. If they give you advice on life, you'll actually listen because... They have such a um, an influence on you, you know. So hopefully you get a good one, mm. and I, you know, and and it makes you as a trainer now. For me, it makes me, um, you know, I, I look at the good and the bad from all the trainers I've had, and I try to, you know, to be the best one that I can be for the the kids that I train. Mm. You know, one personal question that I had asked for you is that um, I've seen so many boxing movies in my life, particularly some of my favorites, Rocky Three, Rocky Four is one of my favorites, especially when it's on cable TV. I'll always watch it. What do you think is the most accurate depiction of um, boxing if you have ever seen a movie where you're like, you know what, this is like probably the most accurate one I've ever seen. To me, I think it's Creed, the first Creed, where I guess like, you know, just, I don't know, it seemed like the boxing scenes were real in that See, one. See, when it comes to the box, I'm not going to comment on like, of course, they're all the box. Like when I, I'd say that Rocky is not real and the, obviously the fight was completely like... Yeah, well that was back in the ridiculous. day and they didn't really... But... When it comes to the relationships and the pers the per personalities of the, the people that populate the boxing world, like the trainers, the people in the gym, like Mickey, Rocky, those are really, like, remind me of people I really know. Like, mm. that's all real to me. That was the real, that's what I loved about the movie. Because it really feels like those people are real characters you meet in the boxing world. Like, mm. when it comes to the fight scenes, people say, oh, that they're unrealistic and... An, uh, like he was too wild and an underdog like that can't ever beat someone like Cre you know Apollo but fine but whatever but when it comes to the relationships between the trainers and the fighters I think Rocky is really I love Rocky just because Rocky it really reminds me of um, the real boxing world mm. in terms like I said of the relationships between the fighters the train how Rocky and Apollo became best friends hello that was like that's so every like my best friend I fought but we hated each other. Did now you beat her up, though? Yeah, we both beat each other up. Oh. Two of my best friends. It's the truth. It's when you fight someone that hard, you become best friends with them. And people think that's unrealistic. Oh, Rocky and Apollo are friends now. No. Every, look, Mickey Ward and Otorogati were best friends. Mm. You know what I mean? After they like went toe-to-toe -to, -toe to war together. So it's like all these boxes really, in the end, wind up... They become a part of each other's life, whether they like it or not. You yeah, know, I think when you go to war and you both survive, right, that you just come with a right. mutual respect. And it's really, it's really the truth. It's like that. So many people in the boxing world have these weird bonds, mm. and I think that Rocky really captured that. You know. So after everything that you said, everything that you mentioned, what do you think are the attributes? What do you think it took to get to where you are in this moment in time as a boxing official? I just think it takes being persistent and showing up. For the most part, you know, it's like really just showing up and being persistent and. Um, not letting people say you can't do it because people even when I tell you whenever I said I wanted to chart boxing referee people are like oh why would you want to do that 
you know, it's not, like, basically insinuating that it's a waste of time and I'm not going to really be able to do it. So I think it's just kind of ignoring that. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do it and just doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, doing something you love, not necessarily just be just doing it because you love it and knowing that good things are going to come out of it if you're doing it for the right reason, mm-hmm. I think. What do you think it's going to take to get to where you want to go and ultimately where do you want to go in officiating boxing? I think it's going to take really thick skin because, you know, as, you, as you, I'm not saying I, as I get older I get softer. I, I'm not softer. But when I was younger, I was really, like, thick-skinned, you know, and it's just having, like, a thick skin and um, just uh, really being, per- like, I, I, I have to be persistent, you know. I have to be very aggressive and I think more aggressive than a male ref would be. Like, that's how I felt as a female boxer. Like, you have to prove yourself more because mm-hmm. you're a female. Um, where the guy boxers just show up half the time. So I think even as a ref, they have these ref, like, a lot of times the referees, they just show up and they don't. I mean, I'm not saying, like, I've no. it just, in the past, I've noticed not all refs are that good. Mm. It's like, but if you're a female and you're just okay, everybody notices. But if you're a male, it's like, yeah, he sucks, whatever. You know, if you're a girl, it's like, oh, my God, she's the worst. Never put her on again. So it's like you're, you're viewed much more on. Um, you got the automatic perception right. chip on your shoulder. Yes, people are looking at you way more closely. Mm. So you can't mess up. And it puts more pressure on you. And, you know, you, ha- you're, you just have to live up to higher standards, which mm. is weird. You know, so understanding that. Like, I'm going to get criticized a lot more than a male. I do. It already happens. Yeah. I get criticized all the time for the littlest of things mm. that I notice everybody else does. Right. It's like more eyes are on you. Yeah. You know? So I feel like, just from speaking to you, I think basketball will help you. Um, and I guess I'm recruiting you, in a way. But um, I think it'll help you because there's a lot of... There's not as many decisions that you have in a boxing match as opposed to basketball. Basketball, there's like 200 critical decisions in one game. Right. So I think... That type of play calling will kind of translate to you when you are doing boxing. Because now that you're you're at the point and you just continue to keep presenting, it'll just, it'll translate. I don't know how it'll translate, but I'm I think sure it will. sure it will. Everything's related. Yeah. You know. Uh, final questions that I wanted to ask you. What was your most stickiest situation as a, as a boxer? And what was your most stickiest situation that you've had thus far as a boxing official? As a stickiest situation? I would say like... As a boxer, was always making weight. I wouldn't know if you call that a sticky situation. That's a sticky situation. But it's very uh, difficult because, you know, when you're training that hard and you're working that hard and you're, you know, you're trying to avoid being emotional, you just, like, sometimes eating food is helpful and you just can't eat anything. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like you really have to be like a nun or, a pre- you know, you can't have any fat, you can't have any sugar, you can't even eat that much healthy food because you have to be so strict about your weight. Like, you know, Manny Pacquiao fights at what? Like a very small weight. Yeah, it's like ungodly. It's like one eighteen right. or but something I'm sure crazy. He walks around like one hundred eighty pounds, and that's just normal for all boxers, female included. Not that big a discrepancy, but you're usually walking around twenty pounds heavier than your fight weight mm. because everybody drops weight. So it's like if I walked, if I fought at the weight I'm at now, I'm going to be fighting a girl who's naturally way bigger than me. So everybody has to like drop all of this weight, and it's just a part of it, and it's a lot of stress. And uh, you know that was very difficult. You know being. My half of my family is Italian, and they, you know, eat pasta, bread, all this stuff. So we happened to be around them on holidays, and I just remember one match in particular. Before I really understood anything, it was my second or third fight, and my trainer didn't really tell me. Like he wasn't like for some reason. I just I made weight. I had to weigh like 112 pounds, and um, 
I weighed in, and as soon as I weighed in, I had my favorite uh, penne a la vodka that I got from. <laughs> yeah, I brought it with me from Umberto's. Nice. Over here. Was it like just it ready was right after? It waiting nice. with like bread and oh my god, and, and the Snickers bar. And I just like ate and inhaled it. And then I had to fight like two like two hours. No, they actually called me for the first or second fight, like Castronova. And I'm like, oh no, because they tell you that night what And so it was like, I didn't even get to digest. So whenever I get punched that night, I kept like, you're like, oh, like, Snickers. Oh. No, I tasted like penne la vodka. And now oh, whenever, white I, sauce. whenever I taste that, I'm just like, oh, my God, I get sick. It's funny. So that was this very sticky situation. I thought I was going to throw up in the ring. And I went up pulling up a win. I don't know how on that fight. I was so bloated. But, and in officiating a sticky situation, um, I would say was when I was judging. There's a few things. Well, I would say when I was judging um, recently, um, you have to really wear a poker face. You can't, like ever show like if a guy falls down and gets knocked out no showing emotions there, at you all have times. to sit there like this mm. and one day I just was like oh, the guy just went boom and like right in front of me and I was like oh like I reacted and I got so much like shit for that from everybody from the, the, the trainer of the other guy comes over she's a pay, thinking I'm like one of those crooked judges that I told you I was paranoid about because mm-hmm. um, he, he, he said the way I reacted shows that I favored him and I'm gonna like I'm gonna give the score to this guy, even though we didn't win the fight, which wasn't even true. I actually gave it to the guy that was complaining. Mm. So I'm like, you know, but it's you can't react. So it's like really learning to keep a poker face. Like you're seeing some really grisly stuff right in front of you. And Believe like, it. As like a, as I get older, I'm more compassionate. I guess I used to just be like, oh, whatever. You got punched in the face and knocked out. Now I'm just like, mm, he can, you know what I mean? It, it's like. It's upsetting to see sometimes, but you can't even show it on your face because everyone's watching your face and then they could accuse you of being biased mm. and you just can't. As so, they always do. Yeah. We you always have biased. To, you have to just look like a, you know, I guess it helped my poker face. Mm. But that situation, I was like, oh God, um, I'm, you know, I thought that they were going to like bench me or something or maybe we go to the glove <laughs> table because that's what they do when you're like, when you're not doing a good job, they send you to the glove table. Which means you have to change out boxes. So that's like detention. Yeah, it's like I was like, oh no. But they were like, listen, you can't um, react like that, which is understandable. I shouldn't have done that. I didn't. I mean, it was involuntary. Well, better then than the heavyweight right, championship. Course. So right, it's a learning get experience. It out there. Now I just don't even like. I sit there looking like you know a statue. So, and in my head, I'm like, oh my god, because yeah. I've think- seen such great fights. Like you know, we we can all relate to that. Right. I mean, I've seen so many gruesome injuries in basketball. Right. Um, when the defense it, it transfers over from the defense to the offense, and then you know an offensive player is now on defense and like had a gruesome injury, we can't stop the game. So everyone's like all like, "How could you not stop the game?" I'm like, and they, they the think way. we're not looking right. for the player's safety, but it's like, you know, I someone is going right. for a layup. Have I can't stop it. I have to stop it after they make the basket or right, when they get right, the, right. the basket again. And I do, I do have a question out of curiosity. Like, as a ref, have you ever been like? Hit by accident, like no, you're separating people. I haven't, not yeah. yet. But does it happen? Then? It's happened. I know this one guy that I work with. He said that um, I th- all of a sudden he just saw his feet in the he saw feet in the air, and he's like, "Oh my god, those are my feet!" <laughs> like, because he got hit, and he just flew up in the air. And went, he said he looked up and he saw, "What? Why is there feet in the air? Oh my god, those are my feet!" Yeah, so he got hit pretty hard, and he just kind of like his feet were up on the ropes so it's happened it's definitely happened yeah because I've seen in the UFC like sometimes someone gets knocked out the ref jumps to separate and out of disorientation this guy is now fighting the ref just right, right, thinking right, right. like okay yeah, that now I'm fighting you that could happen for sure because as the ref you have to split up people if like someone's about to get knocked out it's your job to 
get in there. And, and they're all dizzy, back. like, oh, right. yeah, so I'm fighting here. It happens. You wear latex gloves when you're... when you're. You do, because of the blood and stuff. Well, mm. You definitely should. I mean, I do. And you wear the you bow tie know. and all that? Yeah, well, it depends on... The, sometimes if it's, like, a really un, non-formal, we just wear a college shirt. Okay. But the bow tie is reserved for, like, 50% of the shows where it's supposed to be more, like, upscale. Mm. You know? Well, we wear latex gloves, yes. We definitely have to do that. Do you know Bob Aram yet? I know him. I mean, I've met him on a few occasions. Yeah. You gotta get a good relationship with him so you can start getting those crazy fights. I know, fights. I will eventually <laughs> when I'm ready. I'd say in about, I, I'm, I'm giving myself like a year. I want to be ready. At first, I was in a rush until I, I felt, felt the magnitude of like the job. Mm. It really is like, it's not, I don't know, like I just feel the magnitude of, oh my God, I don't ever want to be the ref in that situation where like, I, you know, one of my friends recently, someone died. It, last Chris, around Christmas time, my friend um, was refing a fight and the kid died at the hospital right after. Yeah. And he has that on his conscience all during Christmas and stuff. He just couldn't live with it, even though it wasn't his fault at no. all. He did the right thing. And recently, another kid, um, a couple months ago, went into a coma for a month at a fight that I was at. I was judging, so I had to write a report on it. And the referee was like... And, I, you know, it was just... It's just like, you don't want to be the ref in that situation, whether it's your fault or not. So it's like, you start to realize, oh my God, I really want to be so certain in there. I don't want to rush it. I used to want, oh, I can't wait to be do pro, and no, now I'm like, no. I have to, I want to be ready. I want to be certain that mm. I'm ready. Because someone's like, you know, life is in your hands, really. You can't mess up. You just can't. Mm. You know, yeah, there's many, referees. Many experienced people on, on the podcast say it's better to be a year late than a year early right. because of that reason. Right, so. right, of course, for sure. It's like, and they always say like a second, or like, you better stop the fight early and everyone yell and curse at you than a second late. You know, yeah. because literally it could be a second or two that could kill somebody or, or really damage somebody. Like I was, I was roughing a girls fight recently and like, it's just so hard because it was like the last bell was about to ring. I knew in my head that in like three seconds, the bell's going to ring and rather than, so then you, um, like you're torn between, do I stop it now in the split second when there's two seconds left and embarrass her and just stop the fight? Um, or just let her take a couple more punches, but those couple of punches, because then you don't want to embarrass her, and you like let her finish out the fight. You don't want to embarrass her in front of her friends. She'll, or one more second of punches, and it's like I couldn't take it in when I stopped it one second before the end of the round. And my supervisor was like, "Yeah, maybe you should have just let it go through." And I'm like, "I don't know if I, I don't know. I, I think I was right. You know mm. what I mean? Just because, um, you know, I, I it was brutal. She was getting really beat up. You know, I don't care. I'm not thinking about. Oh my god, I don't want to embarrass her or the seconds." So it's like you have to make these really hard calls. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, take, it takes experience. Sounds like uh, a lot of these situations are always sticky because some of it really entails life or death situations. Right. Like look at that, uh, like Emil Griffith when he killed somebody in the yeah. ring. Like I'm sure the ref is like, oh my, because I, I think that the ref was awful, if I'm not mistaken, from what I remember. Like he should have stopped the fight. There's, I know. That's, that's happened before. And then there's like these refs that prematurely stop fights and then they get like blackballed, like I'm sure from roughing again because like oh he 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 like the the promoters want the blood and, and the, all that stuff for the sales so if the referee is going to stop the fight fast then they're going to be like oh this ref sucks yeah so it's like get... you can't you have to find the perfect line of being a good ref and there are refs out there that have the perfect understanding it's just mm. six years of experience but it's just scary you don't want to be the ref that like didn't stop a fight then god forbid somebody's in the hospital in a coma and that it's because you didn't stop the fight yeah this is a real deal you I still know. want to take it, though. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be really observant. Hmm. So what is your best moment as a boxer, and what has been your best moment thus far as a boxing official? 
Best moment as a boxer was when I won the Golden Gloves the first time because it was just a surreal feeling and that like all the hard work paid off. You can imagine. I didn't think I was going to win because I lost the year. Not that I didn't think I was going to, but you know when you lose and then you're like, the winning means so much more after mm-hmm. that. So I lost and then I won and I was like, oh my God, I couldn't believe it. It was like a, a dream come true and I worked so, so hard. So, um, and, and because I was so paranoid again about the judges, even though I know I beat the girl up, I was like, what if the judges are, par- you know, didn't, what if they're crooked? So I was thinking that in my head right before they announced the decision. And when they announced me the winner, I was so like, just joyful. So that was a great moment. And officially, uh, I mean, I'd say, um, I don't know yet. I think that the best moment of being an official is yet to come. Like I've had a lot of interesting moments. I think refing a really great fight would be. Like a, a professional fight, like or a heavyweight fight or something, mm. would be a great moment. Now it's just been a lot of interesting moments. There's times I think that are interesting where I'm on, you know, the, it's it's rare, but I'll be on the opposite end of the, um, the, like the other three judges or four judges will have it for one fighter. I'm the only one who has it for the other fighter. Mm. That's happened a few times, and I still I'll stand by my decision. You know, I feel I know a lot about boxing. You know. So, but it, it, it's always interesting, and then I'll always want to watch, rewatch the tape, and be like, "Why did I see it this way?" And they saw it a, co- a totally different way, mm. which you know, I think it's um, you know, it makes you self evaluate. I'm like, am I? Sometimes I think to myself, because every judge is going to naturally have a um, predisposition towards the style of fight they like. Right. Like a, a fight, maybe someone likes the guy who comes forward who's like a slugger type. I don't like Somebody, that. I like, right. I like, I like Mayweather with of the black Of course, I appreciate that, but most, a lot of judges don't. They like to see the guy who's coming forward like a wild maniac, but he's not landing. So that they're in favor of that type of style. So if it's close, even though they're going to go for that style, I'm going to go for the, the boxer style. Hmm. You know, a lot of judges um, mistake, like, the, you know, I'm not saying judges, I'm not, you know, just in general, you know, a judge could could look at a punch that doesn't land, but just because he's coming crazy, like, you know, and judge it, oh, he's aggressive, you know. I just, I don't appreciate that style, but I'm trying to appreciate it more because I don't want to be biased. Mm -hmm. I I like the slick style because it's just what I like and how I boxed. So I I always like, I'm so in admiration for that style of fighter that I have to really take myself out of that and reevaluate, which is what I've done. So I don't favor that type of fighter. And I just, you have to just keep your eye right in the center and just watch like where the punches land and that's it. Yeah. And I also think it's interesting too, because, you know, a lot of people aren't in the venue when they're watching like a a heavy pay-per-view match. Um, I could specifically remember when Pacquiao fought Mayweather the first time. And, you know, I think it was a lot different in the arena compared to what you saw on TV. Because, you know, sometimes when you see the scorecard, you're like, really? That's what's going on? And you can't really see what the temperature is right. in the match. Yeah, it's right? true. And it's also the commentators always sway the audience. You know what I mean? When you said when Pacquiao fought who? Mayweather? Mayweather, the first well, time. Well, on TV, it looked like he did better. Right? Yeah, you know what? I just I just remember watching. And, you know, I'm thinking as, a, as an official, and I'm watching it. I'm like, you know, this match is different than what the score is saying, as well as how people feel as you watch it. Right, you know what I mean? Right, right, right. So that's yeah. just always an interesting it's always, uh, dynamic. It's interesting too, the commentators. Like I've seen fights in Madison Square Garden in person, and my friends are texting me, "Oh, so and so just lost the fight." I'm like, "What are you talking about? They did not. He just won." And then the, then the judges will read, and I'll be ready one because I'm watching it there. But when you're watching it from home, sometimes you hear what the commentators are saying, right. and they can be completely wrong, mm-hmm. and it sways your. They're like, "Oh!" Especially Larry reacting. Merchant. Larry Merchant is like right. off they're, it now. They're, <laughs> right, they're, they're reacting completely, overreacting, yeah. reacting, and um. Yeah, and they're reacting to the wrong thing, or they're 
for whatever reason they're swayed and the whole audience goes with them. Mm. You know, I, so, a lot of times I'll watch fights with the mute button on. I can't even take the comments. Yeah, I agree. I should start doing that. Um, so this has been great. I really appreciate you taking the time. You know, one thing that I've realized just from talking to you for this hour um, it's just your boxing acumen. You just sound like it's just so ingrained in you, what it's done for you. Um, so my final question is, what has boxing, what does boxing mean to you? What has it given to you in your life? Oh, I mean, it's given me focus. I think I think I could always, whenever I need to focus, I always go back to boxing. You know, if I'm going through a hard time, I could mm. always go back to the boxing gym. I could always, like, start training again, start sparring again. Even training to spar, you have to get in a certain amount of shape. Like, I'm not going to go show up the gym. I, I spar all the time. And I'll train, like, for a couple months just so I can go start really hard, sparring hard. So I think it gives me, like, an outlet to focus on when I have, like, anger, when I have, um, when I need to focus. And it's kind of giving me um, a parallel of life in the sense that um, the years I spent as an active boxer and now as an observer of what, like, basic uh, life formulas that work and don't work. It's like if you work hard, if you go to the gym, it's like all the basic stuff that mm -hmm. people tell you, like, you see it um, and you feel, when you live it. Like, as a boxer, when I did the right thing, when I trained and when I showed up and I didn't give up, then I was successful. And when I started to become overly confident or... Uh, do things I wasn't supposed to do, then I would lose. It's like the really simple things. So like you can take those things with you into the rest of your life. And they sound so simple, but when you're living them in like this really like way that it's spelled out for you, it's very simple math. It's like, mm. okay, if you do the work, you win. If you don't do the work, you lose. And it's like that simple. And I observe that to this day with, you know, boxers that I'm watching and, and, and the way that they fight and just, you know, the ones that don't give up win and the ones that give up don't win. Hmm. Generally, that's generally what happens. So it's kind of gives me like a parallel to understand life better, I think. That's really cool. Um, I'm so happy that we finally got a boxing ref. This has been awesome. Do you have any final words you want to say before we part ways? No, I don't. Um, thank you for having me on. This is an interesting uh, topic. I think referee ran, but that's pretty cool. Yeah, and um, I think this was a, you know, I, I, kind of like a thank you for you. It's like a, a love letter to boxing because I don't think you've ever been able to talk about your whole story in boxing. No, no, in its I'm totality. Yeah, thank you for appreciating it. And you can also follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm yes, to what is promoting myself? Just look <laughs> up my name; it'll come up. Kara Castronova. Yeah, we're gonna have a whole thing on you on on the website um, too. So yeah. this will be cool. I'm thinking of fighting again, but we'll see. I've been saying that for a long time. You know. No, I think you should stick with the whole. Refereeing thing, and I, I'm I don't a ref, know. So. It's like I get. It's like I'm not going to say get jealous, but like sometimes I'm watching these fighters, and I'm like, oh, you know, I wish mm. I was them right now. Well, maybe you we'll know, be we'll be refing you. That'd Who be knows? Pretty cool. You know? <laughs> so for Cassio Machado, this is Ralph the Ref, and for Cara Castronova, this is the rant. We're signing out. Peace.